Good morning, everyone. I figured that would get everyone's attention to start with. Um, this set has nothing to do with today's sermon, by the way. I just... No, actually, it does. But I did want to start um, by saying what an honor it is to be able to stand up here on a Sunday morning. I know my parents are freaking out. They're just like, wow, that's my son. I remember when he... Well, we won't go there yet. But I did want to say um, it is such an honor. And this is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do because, I mean, not so much because I'm nervous. I mean, you guys are like family. But I've got so many things I'd love to share this morning, and there's so little time. But I want to start by saying thank you, Pastor, so much for the opportunity um, and also setting me up. Last week, you kind of gave me something to springboard off of, and you guys will, provided everyone was paying attention, we should have a, we should have a good springboard. But also, Ed, Ed Harn was here last week. On, on Wednesday, he spoke and I know that nothing happens by coincidence. When you're in the kingdom of heaven, there's no coincidence. As I sat in on Wednesday night, instead of having preteens in there, we only had a couple show up. So I said, let's go sit in and listen to Ed. And as he taught, I was thoroughly impressed with what he had to say. But even more so, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was a little, I guess I felt like he stole my thunder a little bit. Because the message that he was teaching on was like right in line with what we're talking about. And um, I just want to say that it's, it's just incredible the way God moves. Now, I do want to say, um, if you've ever, who, how many of you have been to Encounter and through the process? Well, we've got a couple of them in here. When Encounter was coming up, I think I'm not alone when I say that you experience some, some happenings that cannot be explained other than that the enemy is trying to get you. The week prior to Encounter, and I'll tell you, this week, this past week, before coming in here to preach, the devil knew it. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess him up. He's, he tried to mess me up. I, uh, I got into a car accident. I have not been in a car accident since, gosh, I can't even remember. But I was at Lowe's parking lot, and my foot slipped off the brake, and I plunged into a car's side, and it was my fault, so I have to take all the responsibility. But just a freak incident. And then just this past Thursday, I stepped on a shard of glass as I was at work. And it pierced my shoe, through my sock, through my foot to the bone. So as we speak, I have a, a bandage on my foot. It was pretty. And I'm thinking, you know, I never get hurt on a work site. I never get into a car accident. And here it is, the week that I'm supposed to preach. And I'm going through all these hardships. But lo and behold, I'm here, and we're going to get this thing done. All right, enough about me. Actually, no, we want to talk more about me. I want to share a little bit about who I am. My name is Noah Pruitt. Um, I was born in Miami, Florida. And I guess you can say it was, a, it was an average life. Um, I didn't realize how good I had it at home. But um, there's, there's things that happen when you're raised by parents. And I guess this, a lot of church folk experience this as well. When you bring your kids to church and you're, and you're raising them in the things that you, you know that the word says you should, but they tend to rebel. Well, that was me. I was that kid. I went the other way. As soon as I was, as I was old enough to make my own decisions... I started going the opposite direction, and I would hang out with friends and go out and, you know, doing the things I shouldn't be doing. You know, we'd drink. You know, I, I smoked pot. Yes, I, I did some bad stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I just got involved with some things that I shouldn't, and I knew the stuff was sin, but to me, it was just, I was immune to it, it seemed like. I didn't, it didn't affect me. You know, I, I would preach to my friends. My parents told me all about Jesus. I knew. I had the knowledge. I would tell my friends, Jesus Christ died that you might have life. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten. And I was, I was a preacher. 
But then I'd be like, yeah, here, give me a beer, you know? And, oh, yeah, well, let's go to the club and chase girls. And I was living the same life that they were living, only I had knowledge about God that they didn't have. So that, to them, made it look like, oh, yeah, Noah's the good one because he knows about good. But I was no better than them. I just did the, you know, I was, I guess I just had it covered up. Well, I remember a day vividly. I lived over here in Trailmore, and I was sitting in my Lazy Boy. We're getting ready to go out. It was a Friday night, 11 p.m. We're getting ready to hit the streets. And I was sitting there pondering, and I remember clearly I, was, I had a beer, you know. We're getting ready to go out. And I was thinking about what my life encompassed at the moment. And it was right then that I realized something's not right. And I looked at my life, and it was like I was looking at ruins. It was a desolate landscape. There was no promise. There was no passion. There was no driving desire that was causing me to live the life that I wanted to live. Well, it was about right then that I thought, well, you know what? I'm, I'm out here preaching one thing, and I want to I live the life that I'm preaching, but I, I'm not. And in Romans 17, uh, 7, 15, uh, it says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. I felt just like that. It's like it was just one of those paradoxes that, that you know, I'm just living this this alternate lifestyle. Well, I had to make a decision at that point. And over the next, I guess, few weeks, um, I decided that I'm going to start going to church. And I went to all the big churches. I went to the, to the, I mean, massive, you guys probably know some of the churches around town, but they had huge worship programs. You know, the, the youth department was awesome. They had singles groups. And I was getting involved in all this stuff. And I was, I was actually, I got my Bible off the bookshelf. My mom bought me this Bible. She even had my name put on it. And um, I just owned it. I never really read it, but I started taking it with me. And I would go to these churches, and it was awesome. You know, I was experiencing the presence of God, the, the, the worship sessions, and, but I didn't really have my own personal experience with him. So as it turns out, I went back to that same life. I would go out with those same friends doing the same thing, only now I'm going to church. And I'd invite them to come, and they wouldn't come. But I remember my mom telling me about pastors preaching on WTMA. For those of you who don't know, he had a, a radio show. And I remember he said, oh, finally, the, you know, he knows that the show paid off because somebody came. But um, she, heard the, she heard the radio show, and it was a powerful message. She told me about this church legacy. I caught a, a, a show, and I heard it, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And it turns out that it was right here. I live in Trailmore, which is right down the street. So I hopped on my bicycle. I came over here on a Wednesday, and I met Pastor and Tracy and some others that were here. And um, I came back that Sunday. When I walked in the door, it was like cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name, only without the, the bar. <laughs> they had a coffee bar. But I, I walked in, and people were like, hey, Noah, walk. And I, it was weird. It was kind of like, okay, I don't really know if I want everybody in my stuff. You know, I, this is, I'm new. You know, I, I smelled like cigarettes and probably had a hangover because it was Sunday morning after all. And um, I just didn't, I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. Well, I came to service and I sat right up front. And pastor, um, after there was a, a show where actually I saw Kelly for the first time. That's another sermon. Um, <laughs> but she was up here and um, th that went through and pastor came up and taught. 
and it was just an awesome message. I was like, that's cool. I mean, I really enjoyed that. So much so that I skipped the next two Sundays. <laughs> Go figure. But I did, I did finally come back. And when I did come back, it was like, man, every time I came here, it was like God put a spotlight on me and was teaching me. And finally, I asked Pastor if I could sit down and, and talk to him about who I was because it, I, find, I felt like a lot of people feel, I'm sure, when they come into church that, you know, I don't belong here. If people really knew who I was, they wouldn't accept me like they're accepting me. They must think that I'm something that I'm not. So I figured I'd start with Pastor, and I sat him down, and I said, listen, and I hope you remember this conversation, but I said, listen, I want to put it all on the table. I want to tell you who I am. So I told him about the drugs, the women, the, the partying, the, you know, the lifestyle that I was living in. He just kind of sat back in his chair, and he looked at me with his face. I never quite put my finger on exactly what was going through his mind, but what he had to say was something that um, is, is what I want to talk about here today, which is what the sermon is on. But he told me that if I was willing to commit, the key word here is commit, one year of my life, that there was, there was hope, essentially. Um, and as eager as I was, I took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. I just, I jumped in. I ran with it. And I was like Forrest Gump, if you've ever seen him. He just started running. You know, there was, there was pre-encounter. Then there was encounter. Then there was post-encounter. Then there was school leaders. Whew, my hair's getting long and my beard. And then there was re-encounter. Then there was consecrate weekend. And it seemed like every day that the doors were open, I was here. I wanted to make it a point to just get as much as I could. And, and that commitment was really important in order for, for a foundation to be built in my life. Now, the foundation was critical, yes. But the key here, guys, understand that the process that I went through in all of that is just that. It was, the, it was a process. And the process really carries no power whatsoever unless you encounter Christ for yourself and encounter the love of God that he gave us through his son. We must encounter the love of God. Understand this. The love of God that he gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. And then it will all make sense. Now, that being said, I was running like Forrest Gump, but now I'm more like the prodigal son. I had, I had an experience that turned me from my wicked ways, and now I started back to the Lord. And that's when, boom, I saw the love of God. He came back to me. He restored me. I mean, all, and my life from that point on has never been the same. I really, of all the topics, of all the sermons that I could have shared with you, of all the truths that this Bible holds, um, I chose to share this with you. And coincidentally, it turns out that we have an encounter coming next week, and it's for the youth. And guys, whew, my heart is, I mean, I want to see, see in you what happened to me. You'll never be the same. But I've encountered this, I've encountered, I've entitled this message, Extreme Makeover, Me Edition. <laughs> because really, how many of you have seen the show, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition? Oh, okay, good. We've got a couple. Well, going to the encounter for me was a lot like that. And um, in fact, Dr. Will, if I might use a quote from you from him, but he said it was like an onion being peeled back. When you go to a construction site, now guys, I work in the construction industry. And I oftentimes go into a home and there's, there's problems, there's issues. And we have to do some repairs. Um, 
but we don't see all this framework. We see first the drywall and the colors and the, you know, the pr- a pretty finished home. Before I go any further, I want to I say this. Pastor taught last week on a worldview change. I want to ask all of you right now to take this time to take off the lenses that you've always looked through in regards to the natural realm because I want to I cover some spiritual issues. These are very deep spiritual issues. But as Jesus did, and many of you know he was a carpenter as well, um, he used parables to communicate to these extremely religious people. Thank you so much. Was I, I look parched? <laughs> but he, he used parables. And he did this because if he were to expose the spirit realm to us, we wouldn't comprehend it. So he would take natural things and illustrate spiritual truths through those natural things. But it really took the lenses, the spiritual lenses, to see exactly what the spirit was saying. So please bear with me um, as we say this. When I went to encounter, it was almost like I, I knew of some issues that I had on the surface. You know, I, I knew that I had a leaky roof. I knew that I had some, some drywall that needed some patching. I had shifted some pictures around so many times in my life that I had holes all over the place. And so I, I was a candidate. And, you know, basically God comes in you know, and he checks out the situation. And as I'm, in, as I'm in encounter, I'm going to the Lord and I'm saying, Father... Show me, show me what, you know, how could we, let's fix this place up, you know. Let's add a room while we're at it. And um, he, he started to take away stuff. All right, this drywall needs to come down. So he takes away, oh, look, we got a rotten stud. <laughs> but he, he, he noticed, he said, you know, we've got a rotten stud. And in fact, Noah, I'm sorry to say, but the worst part about your whole deal is uh, you've got some serious settling going on. Um, we, need to, we need to tear this whole thing down. We need to put in a new foundation. You, you're in foundation. That's your whole problem, Noah. It's not the drywall. It's not the color. Actually, I kind of like the color. No, he, he, he didn't even concern. He said, no, forget all that. Let's start from the ground up. Well, if any of you know anything about construction, don't worry if you don't because I'm about to tell you. A lot of things take place before something is built, before, before a functional, practical building is built that's going to hold and last, stand the test of time. Some serious things need to happen. And Pastor mentioned that we have a church going up. We bought some land. We've got, I won't even get into all the details with the, with the permitting and that. But a survey had to take place, and that's a lot like our lives. So oftentimes, we present ourselves to God. We're, we're, we're raw land. I mean, we're a mess. We've got, there's things that need to happen in order for him to build his house. So we expose ourselves to him. In fact, I just thought of this. We have to buy the land first, don't we? He bought us. We're, we're paid for. We're bought and paid for. We're his land. And so we expose ourselves to him. Thank you, Lord. I, I didn't even think about that until I stood up here. So then the, he surveys. We, take, we, go to, we, we lend ourselves to him through processes like Encounter. or I mean, all, churches have all kinds of things available. But this particular process is, is really cool because it allows us to go to him and expose ourselves and say, Lord, what trees need to be removed before we can build your church? And so he starts going through. And, and you, know, you can't just chop the things down because they'll grow back. You've got, he's got to uproot this stuff. And there's boulders, and in our case, there was a hood of a car laying out. In the, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that just needs to go. Let's get this stuff out of here. And then there's holes. 
that need to be filled. And he comes and he fills those holes. And there's mounds that he needs to take down. So all kinds of shifting and grading takes place. And then the ground crew comes in and they start digging a footer. The purpose of digging is to get down to something solid. All the fluff on the top, I mean, here in Charleston, you can't build anything really tall on the surface because it's just going to sink. We're like floating. We're, under, we're below sea level. But he'll, he'll dig and trench a hole so that he can find that bedrock. All these steps are really important. But then the most important, the most critical point that I want to bring up to you today is rebar. Structural steel has to go in. Reinforcement rods need to go like veins through this foundation. Okay? And once that takes place, a footer can be poured, a foundation can be put on, walls can be erected, and then before you know it, you're hanging, you know, window treatments and putting on wallpaper. But God's, (laughs) I know some of you ladies are like, yeah, that's my favorite part. But the most important aspect of all of that is not the wallpaper, despite what some of the ladies would think. (laughs) It's the foundation. We need to make sure that we're doing all of this on a foundation that is firm. And a foundation is, is good even if you just pour concrete. That's a, that's a pretty solid foundation, but guess what? It's going to crack. And as it cracks, it's no good anymore. It's that rebar that holds the whole thing together. So I say that um, because we have an encounter coming up. The young people have an opportunity. What the encounter process is about is to give these young people the opportunity to experience God for themselves. It's really a selfish kind of thing. And it's okay in this case to just be selfish. You're going to the encounter, you guys, to experience God for yourself. It's not about who's standing on your left or who's standing on your right. You're going to encounter the love of God, what he did. And it's truly experiencing the love of God in your own heart that establishes a firm foundation. Nothing else matters. All the knowledge we can bestow upon you, all the books you read, all the Bible you get filled up with, like Pastor said a couple weeks ago, he had to be delivered from most of the stuff that he was taught. The most important thing is what gets in you in the way of your foundation, the love of God. And I think a lot of people are so focused on looking at or being seen as sharing the love of God to other people. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about experiencing it for yourself, resting in his presence, being able to close your eyes and sit down. I, I oftentimes... And this wasn't even in my notes, but I'd nestle myself. I picture this giant foot, like enormous, and there's toes, and I nestle myself in between these toes, and I just rest. And I understand that that's my guardian. That's he's the man, and I just have to I just have to rest and be quiet and know that he loves me. He won't let anything happen to me. That's really important. Now. The encounter process was put into action because it is scriptural, okay? We are called, if you notice on our walls, we have our vision posted. The vision is absolutely important. Going out and winning, winning people to Christ, connecting them, baptizing them, discipling them and sending them out to, to kind of repeat this whole cycle. That is what God says we're supposed to do. We are called to restore old ruins. In fact, in Isaiah, if you want to open your Bibles up, Um, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, 
because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console all, the, all of those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we are called to do. As we experience Christ in our lives and as he enters us, it says here, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. That's referencing Jesus. If he lives in me, then the anointing that rested on him dwells in me. As we experience that, we only then can we preach good tidings to the poor, mend the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty, all these things that it talks about, we must have an anointing to do. Otherwise, it's just out there talking. There's no power. But so long as we, if you, if you just look at these, good t- preaching good tidings to the poor, you know, each stud here can represent an action that we could, that we could do. And as we, as we proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and open the, the doors and all, if it's on an unsolid foundation, it's only a matter of time, just like it was for me. Like I told you, I, I always went back to those things that I tried to get away from in my own strength. But it was when the foundation was strengthened and the rebar was put in and the walls were re-erected. Now these things stand. There's integrity. There's honor. There's, there's power in those things only then. Guys, this process, I want you to understand, and Pastor's done a really good job of, of explaining this in the past. I want to take a moment to explain to the young people. We are a chosen generation. We are the ones who are going to rebuild the old ruins. But none of this can happen unless we truly experience love. Love is gone in our culture anymore, it seems. Hate is like the, the prevailing act. If you look through the media, um, through your circles, through the relationships, it's amazing the culture that you guys have to grow up in. And I know a lot of people can't relate to the culture you're stuck having to grow up in. But this is an opportunity, guys, to turn the table and go after a, a lost people to win souls and make disciples. In order to do that, guys, we need to experience God's love. This encounter is about experiencing, truly experiencing the love of God for yourself. It's not about putting you on the stand to interrogate you. It's not about trying to, to, to tear you down. It's not about trying to break you. It's, it's about you just coming and experiencing God's love. Any young person in this room or any parent that knows of a young person in this room that has not signed up for encounter, I want to encourage you highly because God will do some amazing things. But first you have to show up. Now, the second half of, of Isaiah um, that I have here is what I was just saying is that they should rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Charleston has some generational issues. And we can break that as a people. We need to be the ones to stand up, to rise up to the, to the call. Christ has called, and we've heard, but are we rising up? 
it's important that we, that we hear, yes, but the same compassion, the same love that compelled God to do these things, just it's the same compassion, the same love that compelled Jesus Christ to feed the 5,000, the same, the same compassion, the same love that caused him to raise Judas from the dead, the same compassion that caused him to raise up from the dead that we might have life. You see, God's heart was broken, guys. He saw us. He loves us so much. He does not want us to end up in eternity separated from him. He wants so much to have us brought back to him that he gave himself to be brutally sacrificed that we might be able to come back home. When and only when we experience the love of God can any of this have any power. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 1, this is the love chapter for those of you who don't, who don't know, but it's, it's really cool. But he says here, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I can remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned as a burnt offering, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Nothing. What does nothing mean? Nothing. He's called us to be profitable in the kingdom. Now, I'm no business major, but I know that to be profitable means to make more. That you're not, you're not losing at the end of each trial. Every time you try something, you're, you're profiting, you're, you're gaining. We're, caused to, we're called to be profitable in his kingdom. We're the ones, guys. The prophecies that he speaks of, the, the times that he speaks of, all the word that he talks about is as relevant right now and today as it was the day it was written. And even more so, it's relevant to whom it was written. And in case you didn't know, that's us. That's the church. He's talking to us. In Isaiah 58, it says, Those from among you shall build the old ways places. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If there's any question about what this ministry at Legacy Cathedral is about, that is it, guys. We are a chosen people. God has called us as his children into action to go out into the world and to make disciples. This process, and again, guys, it's just a process, but this process that has been offered to you all is a means to channel you into that role. And it is a very effective means. As I shared my testimony with you, you can see that I tried on my own to get, to get free of some junk, to get free of some addictions, to get free of some lust, and I kept going back to it, kept going back to it. When I found that there was a way 
that I could be discipled, and I got plugged into a ministry that was willing to do that, I started a process. It's like God had cleared a way for me, and through this ministry, he was getting me home. And as I came through, all those things that I did were awesome. I've got, I mean, like I said, there's so many things I'd love to share with you this morning because of what I've all I've learned through this whole time. But the encounter with Jesus Christ, the encounter, man, there's, I don't even know yet if we're going to show the, the video um, of the passion when Jesus was taking those lashes. And you just see, you know, I mean, my back hurts to think about it. And you see the love that he willingly got up on that cross and took those things for us. And as you come into contact with that love and ex- experience what it, what it meant for God to come down here and experience what we have to go through so that we can be brought back to him, that love will, will fuel you for the rest of your life. It changed me forever, guys. Now, if a home inspector came and told you, you came into your home that your children sleep in, that you rest your head every night, looked around and saw the foundation and said, you know what, here's your problem. We got a bad foundation. This house is settling too bad. Um, in fact, you're in danger of this thing falling down any time. Um, I seriously suggest you get that dealt with. And your question to him, well, I mean, first thought, I think, for us Americans would be, how much is it going to cost? I mean, really, how is it? Oh, my gosh, how, we can't afford this. What are we going to do? I mean, well, your, your options aren't really, you're not going to allow the house to fall on your children. But your concern would be that. How much is it going to cost? Well, if the inspector told you, listen, I know a guy you can call, and for $20 in one Saturday, we'll fix this thing. Hey, I, I'm in, you know, count me in. And what, he, what that would do is tear down this whole, the whole mess. I mean, the pornography, the lust, the, the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the conniving, the, I mean, the, the, the MySpace, I don't even go there. But all the things that, that go on in, in young people's lives that are hidden <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. They need to come out. They really do need to come out. You need to experience Jesus Christ and the love that he has. Now, I think the, the theme of today was truly experiencing God's love would be to pour a good, solid foundation. Are you willing to allow a strong foundation to be poured in your life? I guess that's the challenge today. That's the question of questions. Are you going to allow the Lord to expose his love to you? Now, I'm going to need some participation. Young people, this message today is pertaining to you mostly. But you old people, I need your help. Okay, our young people, if, if I've had enough time now to spend with them that I've learned some things and the things that I've learned are that they are, they're individuals. Each of them has a, a strength. Each of them has a weakness. They're, they're not products of mom and dad necessarily. They're products of their environment. They're pro- I mean, they're, they are each individuals. And I want us as adults to be here for them, to lift them up in prayer during this time, 
I want to encourage until next week, next Saturday, I want to encourage for those of you parents who have a heart, fast, fast this next week. Let the Lord put on your heart the things that you should be praying. When you see these children, lend yourselves to them as a mentor. Listen to the young people. You would be surprised at the things they would have to say. They are, I don't have experience in West Ashley High necessarily or Fort Dorchester or any of these other schools, but I have experience with our young people and guys, they could start a whole new ministry in the streets of Charleston that would change Charleston. And it's important that we as parents pray and lift up our young people as this encounter is coming up. Young people, I want to ask right now that you, you acknowledge that our city is screwed up. There's some messed up stuff in our city. There's some messed up stuff on TV. There's some messed up stuff in your school. There's some messed up music. This whole emo kick. Sorry, Catherine. I don't know what's up with this. It's, it's depressing. Guys, I, I want to turn. We need to, we need to turn this whole thing around. And it can start with just this one row. And I know there's others scattered throughout. But just this one row can change the whole flow of how our schools are headed. It is a mess. But first we need to acknowledge the need. And then visualize yourself in a, in a position to change the flow. I think Pastor said before, and you guys have heard, that we're called to be thermostats, not thermometers. And what that would mean more than anything is that we got to set the temperature. we got to be the ones to say, this is how it is, guys. No, all that other stuff is, that's whack. That's, that's junk. I don't listen to that. This is how I'm living. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But there's, there's going to be a time. And you go back and you take those people and you lift them up and you pray. You persevere. You fast. You, when you come in to worship, you give God everything you've got. These are the, this is the generation that God's looking for. Also, set aside every single day between now and Saturday, young people, to take, if it's just five minutes, pray that God opens you up. Understand, again, that we're not going to put you up on the stand put an interrogation light in your face and say, where were you on the night? This is about you coming to God and saying, Father, you know this about me. And he needs to to peel scales off your eyes, to take the veil off, whatever it is that causes you to think. Because remember, I was doing all that stuff, but to me it wasn't sin. I was telling my friends about God. You know, I was doing my job. Hey, I'm on the clock. You know, I'm, I'm doing my job. But the fact is, I was living a life that wasn't pleasing to him. Because I didn't know how much he loved me. If I knew how much he loved me, guys, I'll tell you what right now, the reason why I don't talk to um, other girls or, or to, do, you know, to do other things, I have a wife at home that loves me. And because I know her love for me, I, I ain't got steak and potatoes at home. Why am I going to go try to eat a cheeseburger? You've heard that one before. But it's the truth. Because I know her love for me, it causes me to not want to do those things. It, in fact, it causes me to think about her and want to come home and get with her. I mean, it's hard to go to work every day because of, of her and Bella. But adults, please take this next week and understand the severity of what's taking place. In the spirit realm, there is an amazing battle. There's a war. And we're called, there's a call to arms right now for our young people to stand before Lord God in front of this wooden obstacle, this, this right here is just wood, guys. But the, what it represents is the love of God to stand up here and to touch that and that it just infuse them. I want them to walk away with splinters from this piece of wood. 
I want you all to war because they're, if you only knew what they were up against out there, the peer pressures and the, the uh, there's, there's a call to arms. I need everyone in this room to war this next week for them. Are you willing to do that with me? As we prepare to, I'm going to read my last, my last section here is, as we prepare to restore a city, we must be careful to examine ourselves lest we create a mockery of Jesus Christ, as so many of us before have. We must remember that truly experiencing the love of God in a personal way is equal to pouring a strong foundation. And that is something that he can build on. All right. That was good. Wasn't that good? Whenever, um, and I don't have a lot of opportunity, you know, to listen, especially since you're the pastor at a local church, you're the one preaching. But it's really good to be able to listen and to hear uh, someone share because uh, you've got all these things that begin spinning off in your mind <laughs> as you're listening. And I thought to myself, you know, that's really where we are as a culture, and it really is the hardest, it is the hardest place to acknowledge that you're at as a person or to acknowledge that we are at as a, as a culture, is when Noah mentioned that it's going to take more than just putting a new coat of paint on it. And it's going to take more than just getting some spackling out and spackling the, the holes in the wall. And maybe if you got real radical to, to you know, get in there and just, you know, you know change, change a little of the insulation or, or an electrical outlet. It's going, to ta- it's going to take more than that. We have got to understand that we are living in days where literally the whole thing has to come down. And we've got to go back to the foundation. And, and our problem is, is that we're good on kind of the superficial outside. Do, do you understand that people look good on the outside, but do you know how messed up they are? Way down deep. They really are. And, and when he said, Noah, when you said the cost, are you willing to pay the price to dig it all out and do it right? And that really is where we are at times as a people. Are you willing, are you willing to go through... The upheaval. I don't know if any of you have ever, I, I have a message on restoration and I often talk about how Trace has this ability to envision a room. You, you know, she watches the HGTV stuff and, and, you know, they bring in the architectural designers. You've seen it. You know, they've got this board that they've got a couple pieces of tile and they've got the paint swatches. Is that how you pronounce it? A little bit of carpet. Paint chips, carpet swatches. 
fabric swatches. Anyway, on this big piece of board, the designer will have put just little bits and pieces of what this room is going to look like, and they'll bring it into the owner, and, and they'll lay it out there, and they'll give this little presentation, and they'll talk about it, and, and whether it's Trace watching that, or and she's done that to me a time or two when she's wanted to change a room. And I'll look at that thing, and I'll no more have the ability to envision out of those few little chips and swatches and fabric things, and I can't, you know, I, I can't do it. And, and unfortunately, what we want is we just, we just want a little bit of this and that, and, and let's cosmetically change the room, and it doesn't, it doesn't fix what's wrong. You can, have, you can have the most updated room, but if, if behind the scenes there's something rotting away, the wood... And it's, it's sinking into the sand. You've got a problem. You'll just look good sinking. And that's the hardest thing to get into an American mentality is the mentality that says we've got to call a timeout and we've got to, we've got to deconstruct some things. We've got to d- demolish some things in order to put it right again. Life's not going to work right. Your house isn't going to work right just by putting a new coat of paint on it. You've got you to make sure it's fixed to the core. And your life isn't going to work right. Young people, listen to me. Your life is not going to work right until you get down to the core and get those things put in order. And if you'll get those things put in order, it's amazing what God can begin to do. I, uh, I have just been spinning around in my spirit Um, not just the process that we do here because we've been doing this now for a number of years so I'm convinced that the process we use I like what Noah said the process isn't holy but God who comes in the process is the one who is holy and he's the one we encounter through that process but I've been spinning around in my mind and my spirit why it is sometimes that it's so hard to get it in to people and I want to tell you why it's because I think at times we're even trying to lay the process over your life and you can't lay a process over your already dysfunctional life. You've got, you've, got, you've got to say it is time for a change. Real change. And it's going to take making a choice of stepping out of the world system and the way the world thinks and what the world values and what the world esteems and what the world lifts up and begin to say to yourself, if the world's esteeming it, we probably ought to really evaluate it closely before we buy into it. Because, I, because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, behind the glitz and the glamour and the Hollywood and the celebrityism and all the other things, the reality shows, I'm telling you, people's lives are falling apart and we are falling apart as a nation. And, and, and now is the time that we better get a handle on it. I, I, I don't feel like we've got but a few years left in America before we're going to turn a corner that we can't recover from. Now, I'm an optimistic guy, and I believe God can do anything. And when it's darkest, he can show up and pull us out. But there comes a moment when God says, I'm taking my hands off. There was a time the Roman Empire fell. There was a time the Greek Empire, it fell. There was a time Persia, which they said would never fall. It had, the, it, it had the Babylonian gardens and the wonders of the world. It fell. Every great civilization will eventually fall unless they keep God at its core and in its foundation. And civilization just isn't government buildings and whether or not we still have democracy. We're talking about, is your family working? Is your marriage working? Are your, are your, are your kids 
uh, working. I mean, all the, all the issues that touch us every day. It's not just how much money you have in the bank. It's whether or not you've got a life that's worth living. And that's what we do here. We try to offer people an opportunity to step out of the dysfunctionality and step back into real reality. Letting God make them whole again. Amen. You did a good job, Noah. It, is, it, it pleases me so much that I can go and leave Wednesday to Ed. And I know Tim oversaw it. I appreciate Tim overseeing things and watching over. And Ed speaking and, and Noah speaking. And I just appreciate the ability to be able to go away and come back. And everything's just right on target. I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that very, very much. Let's all stand, shall we, in these last few moments. We're going to intercede right now. Would you do that for me? Right now, in these last few moments, in fact, I want to ask some of the moms and dads, and maybe I can pull down some of my leaders here, and let's just gather around the front here, and let's just intercede for just a moment. I'm going to pray, and and let's just all get before God before we go, because the young people here in about six days are going to experience an encounter, and I want us to cry out to God and to begin to intercede for them. Right now, if you, others of you, if you want to come, I'm not, I'm just suggesting some, but if you'd like to come and, and, and come to the wells, the altars of the church, and we're just going to cry out for this weekend that we begin to believe God, that they'll be touched and changed. And we're just going to intercede and, and let's all, just let a, let, let's just let a sound rise up. Can we in the church right now and begin to seek God? Come on, just begin to... Begin to speak out loud your intercession and let's begin to pray. Father, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus, Lord, for this weekend. Lord, this is the first encounter we will have ever done focusing just on young people. And Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that there would be breakthrough in each of their lives. Lord, I pray right now. Lord, that you would look down, not just upon them as a group, but that you would look upon them as individual young people, teenagers. Lord, that you would encounter them. That, Lord, we've done at times all that we know to do as moms and dads. We've done all that we've known to do as a church. We've provided programs, and we've provided education, and we provide opportunity, and we provide ancillary hobbies and sports and opportunities and we do our best lord to give them good things and to let them experience things we didn't get when we were their age and lord we do everything we know to do but lord we can't be god in their life and they need to experience god lord i pray for this generation especially this generation lord that has grown up in the church lord i pray for the church kids lord They weren't the ones that maybe paid the prices that their parents paid. And they weren't the ones that that were wayward and didn't know God. Some of them grew up from the very moment of their birth. They grew up in the house of God. And Lord, we're grateful for that. But sometimes, Lord, familiarity comes in their life. and, And they take for granted the things around them. Lord, I break familiarity in the name of Jesus. I break the ho-hum and it's church as usual. And Lord, I ask that you would send your spirit into this place this Saturday in a special way. Lord, to encounter them. Let them experience for themselves, Lord, your presence, Lord. Let them not hitchhike on their parents' spirituality. Let them not hitchhike, Lord, on just their years in the house of God. But I pray, O God, that they would for themselves experience you that they would know firsthand lord what it is to have 
an encounter with the cross, to have the love of God come into their life. Lord, I just speak a solemnity and a seriousness over them even this week. Lord, that they would begin to somehow sense a new, a, a new focus in the things of God. That, Lord, they're going to be a generation that's going to have a key role, not just in what they do personally, but probably in a nation that's going to be handed to them. Lord, help them to see themselves as world changers and nation shakers. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would begin to do and put into motion those things we can't do. Lord, we can provide a process and an opportunity, but if you don't show up, Lord, it'll just be another church event. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you would anoint Noah, and that you would anoint Kelly, and that you would anoint Tyler, and that you would anoint Dustin in the name of Jesus. Lord, with revelation and insight and power to speak to them and minister to them, that, Lord, this would be uh, one of those moments that, Lord, would be a defining moment in their life. Thank you, Lord, that you can and it's your heart's desire to do that. Lord, as parents and as leaders and as just uh, people who, Lord, are concerned, we just begin to intercede for them. Soften their hearts, I pray. Open their eyes, open their, their spirits, Lord. Cause them to receive and see and hear in a way that they never have before. Lord, we want the best for them. We want God's will for their life. We want them to be successful in their future for, for you, O oh God. But Lord, I pray that somehow, Lord, they lay hold of that personally. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just continue. Let's just continue to intercede. You know, it's good on a Sunday morning just to have a prayer meeting every now and then. And we've got plenty of time. Let's just have a prayer meeting for just a few moments. Come on now, let's just ask the Spirit of God to help dig out the old foundations that were in their lives. Dig them out so they can get a new foundation in place. Come on, let's just dig. Let's let a sound come up. Let a rumble come up. Let this place be an upper room this morning. As we begin to seek God, hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, we seek you today. Lord, we want you to come and bring good news. We want you to come and open up the, the doors of the prison houses for you to come and to open the blind eyes, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord in order that we might be, Lord, restorers of paths to walk in, repairs of the breach. We can't repair anything in life until our life's repaired. So Lord, let it begin in us. Thank you, Lord. Come on, this is a part of the work of the ministry when we begin to pray. When the, when the body begins to pray. Lord, we just seek you this day as a church. We seek you this day as a people. We seek you this day, Lord, as the congregation of the Lord, in the house of the Lord. Lord, I'm remembering how you drove out the money lenders and, and you said that your house would be called a house of prayer. So Lord, we just intercede today and allow these last moments we spend in corporate gathering to be moments we just intercede together as the church. Lord, we pray for this generation. We pray for our city. We pray for our region. We intercede, Lord, that you would send the flames of renewal and revival into our streets. And into every arena of life. Lord, I begin to pray for the marketplace 
and, and, and for commerce and for business in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would be Lord of that area. Lord, we pray for education in our public schools and our private schools. That you'd be Lord over the educational systems of this world. Lord, we pray for all the areas of sports and arts and these other ancillary areas that you would begin to be Lord over these areas and these arenas of life as well. We pray for that, Lord. Lord, we pray that the flames of renewal and revival would begin to ignite in these areas, Lord. Because the kingdoms of this world are crumbling in order that the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ might be raised up. So Lord, I thank You today that You're doing something in our midst. I thank You today, Lord, that that your ear is not deaf, nor is your arm short. That you're not wanting to do some miraculous things. And we're just believing you for it. Not only for young people, but for the old folks as well. Do it in me. Do it in me. In Jesus' name. Can we say amen and so be it? Amen and so be it. Praise God. How many of you all... Uh, this week will just make a commitment before the Lord. No one's going to come and check on you. But you'll make a commitment before the Lord to find some way to fast this week. Maybe if it's just a meal. Maybe you cut some meat out. Don't now. I'm just don't fast TV. Okay, get, get to your food. Let's get to food. Come on now. We need spiritual hunger. Spiritual thirstiness. And you'll just, you'll ask the Lord. I'm not telling you what to do. You don't have to do a sp- particular fast. But you'll just... You'll fast before the Lord, specifically that God would move this Saturday. We're we're fasting for this Saturday. Amen? Now, we may fast for other things, and and we will, but this Saturday, you're just going to pick up the burden, and you know what, whether young people are participating Saturday or not, we're praying for a generation that's got to be changed. It just has to be. It's going to be, isn't it, Noah? It's going to be. God will give you strength and breath. It's going to happen. I know it will. Amen. I know he will, Tyler. He will. God will use you. I know Alex is growing up and the man of God there. I'm just looking at you, Alex. God's got great things for you. I know you graduated from high school, but God, God hadn't pulled you out of, out of your impact that you're going to have. I'm just prophesying over you. He wants to use you to impact greatly where he's putting you right now. I mean, he's putting you right in downtown Charleston. I mean, I, there's a, I'll just say it out loud. College of Charleston needs the Lord. It needs it. It sure does. God's going to use you. He's going to give you witty ideas in order to do that. Amen. Give you favor to do that. Amen. God, come on. Now, don't, don't, don't say to yourself, what can I do? That's what Gideon said. He said, when the angel came to see Gideon, Gideon said, who am I? I'm the least among my relatives. And the angel still looked at him and said, oh, mighty man of valor. You may feel like you're the least of all. That may be how you see it. But God sees a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. That's what God sees. You don't need 30,000. You can bring 30,000 to an event and God will say, that won't change anything. Hear me now. And I know it's been prophesied and I agree with the word of the Lord. But you can fill a stadium up with Christian people. You, You could fill a coliseum up with Christian people. And it won't change the spiritual atmosphere of a city one twit. But you get a couple hundred folk 
They get a burden and understand how to access kingdom things. They're willing and have let God dig out their foundations to replace them with proper foundation. And, and God can build on that. He built this whole thing called Christianity on 120 people in an upper room. They were up there for 40 days. You know what they were doing up there for 40 days? They're tearing out foundations. That's what they were doing for 40 days. All that stuff's getting ripped out of them. And, and, and once it was all ripped out and God began to put it in new, he could put his spirit upon it and they literally turned the world upside down. Do you understand? In this room this morning, there is so much possibility to turn a city up, that's upside down, right side up. Do you understand that? Do you, you, you got to understand what God is in you is bigger than what the enemy is in that city. We've just allowed it to happen. We've been intimidated by it. But when two or three agree on earth as touching it in heaven, God will move. And he's going to move. But this Saturday, we're believing for the next generation. Amen. We'll believe for the rest of us here real soon. But this Saturday's for the next generation. Amen? Amen? You encourage them and be a blessing to them. If you see a young person, just look into their eyes and tell them, God's got plans for you. He's got a, he's, he's got a future. I mean... I wish I could go back to where you guys are today. I really do. I know I was 19 when God called me to the ministry. And, and, and so I'm grateful for that. But I still wish I could go back now again at 19. Because there are certain things I'd still do different if I could. If I, if I could have the wisdom and understanding I had now, it could have been so much different. Guys, you are at an incredibly great place. All these young people. An incredibly great place. Don't lose the opportunity seize this moment don't repeat the mistakes Kylie if we can keep you out of that I mean do it and we're going to believe for great things on Saturday amen father again I just speak a blessing upon your people thank you for this morning thank you for the word Lord that not only came to us in our mind but something was imparted in us as a people Lord we embrace it we run with it. We believe, Lord, you're going to do things that will cause us to be a people that can be built upon for you to do a great and unimaginable things, exceedingly abundant things. Lord, bless your folks as we go our separate ways. We thank you for this day. Lord, keep everyone safe. Bring us back in the middle of the week as we continue to do what you called us to do as a people. In Jesus' name, and all the assembly said amen. 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 One more time, everybody. I mean, let's give God a victory hoop. Yeah! Victory! Victory is coming! In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, greet each other, hug some necks, and shake some hands, and we're going to get you released in good order today. Amen. Amen. God bless you.